Welcome to the Quantum Love Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Grant. In this show, we'll be exploring all things love, relational mastery, and the initiations that that entails, and what the journey looks like and feels like when we open up and let love lead. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. You know, I was really intending to have a lot more episodes recorded for all of you for the end of the year, but you know, life is life in, (laughs) and it just wasn't in energetic range to do so. And if there is one thing that we do here is that we honor our energetic, emotional, physical range. You know, I'm not going to overextend myself in order to, quote unquote, be of service because that actually isn't of service. If I take myself out of range, for you, for anyone, (laughs) it's actually not of service. And, you know, to really keep in integrity with what I teach my whole body of work. You know, sometimes my ego's plans (laughs) are very different than the true plan. And I think that's a, a really good starting point for today because I've been having this conversation with friends about the distinction between, you know, an ego desire, you know, something that my ego really wants And then what is the true thing? And the true thing for me is often found in those much slower pockets, those slower moments. You know, when my ego is like really hightailing it, it's hightailing it. It's moving fast, you know. (laughs) And the things that I want or desire for myself in my life when I'm moving at rocket speed may not actually be the true aligned desire. And I've been really playing with this lately because, you know, as you all know by now, this year didn't exactly go to plan. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things that happened this year that were really unexpected. You know, the first being my mom being diagnosed with cancer and our whole family having to pivot and move into this, you know, situation that we hadn't planned for. It was very shocking and surprising. Luckily, it was caught really early. The treatments worked and all of her scans that she's had since her surgery have been clear. So I feel very blessed in that sense um, that it was caught so early. However, you know, it, it did like really pivot the trajectory of my year. I wasn't planning on that. And isn't that kind of how life goes? Like <laughs> there's a lot of things that happen that we really don't plan for because we can't. There are things that are so beyond our control that we couldn't plan for them even if we wanted to. And part of the work that I do in the world is building up the emotional resilience and the intellectual resilience and the physical resilience in the body, the somatic resilience, so that when these moments happen, we can pivot. We can move with it. We don't get blown out of range. And part of being able to respond to life, you know, kind of pivoting in such a big monumental way really fast um, has a lot to do with how much do we honor our range in just the day-to-day. You know, in my day-to-day, am I really pushing myself past my limit, you know, because I want to uphold like this idea of perfection or I want to prove myself or I want to be seen as like a good person who has a great work ethic, like what is the driving force that takes you out of range? Like you really got to get down into the nitty gritty of it (laughs) and like really look, take a nice long 
look at what the motivation is when you push yourself out of range. And when you take yourself out of, you know, the range where you can really be present and like when we're talking about range, like we're talking about like the place in you where you can feel your feelings, you can feel your body, you are really present, you're really anchored. That is you within your range. Whenever you go out of range, you go out of body. You know, that might be like if we go up into our head and we're like overthinking all the time, we are likely really out of range in many areas of our life. And in order to cope, in order to deal with it, we have to pop out of the body and into the head and micromanage everything. And, you know, we can do this emotionally where we get taken out of range, you know, like, you know, this thing with my mom that happened, you know, there's a very (laughs) high probability that that something like that could really take me out of range because it's so unexpected and it brings up a lot of feelings. So if I'm not really attuned to my emotional world and I don't have a lot of approval for my emotions, something that happens in life that's unexpected that triggers old emotions that are unprocessed to start rumbling is going to take you out of emotional range. You're not going to be able to cope with it because there is this like idea that your emotional world is bad and wrong. And so if we hold that idea that our emotions are bad and wrong, uh, unless they're like happy, happy, joy, joy, and everything else is bad, poo-poo, then we are going to have a really hard time when life continues to life and it brings us the full range of experiences. You know, and in many ways, and I'll probably unpack this in a future episode, but, you know, with my mom's cancer, it really showed me the parts of me that I still haven't tended to. It showed me the spots inside that are still really tender. You know, the places where I, you know, just didn't want to deal with them. And so they kind of got shoved to the sidelines. And then an experience like this will open it all back up. And I really trust the timing of that in my life. And this may or may not be a frame that works for you, but it is something that guides my life and guides my work is, you know, when these things happen, especially now that I have like stepped onto this path of consciousness, I think that's the distinction that gets missed in a lot of spiritual conversations is that this frame becomes true once we are conscious creators of our experience. You know, for a lot of us, there are chapters and years of our life where we're wildly running unconscious. Like we're just kind of at the whim of life and (laughs) life is thrashing us around. And like we haven't had that awakening moment. But once we have that awakening moment and we know like, oh, wait, like I can be the director of the ship here. I can, you know, do this healing and not be like stuck in this prison of my own making and, you know, of society around me. Like society in general is not exactly set up for you to thrive. And so when we awaken, we start to see the system in operation externally, but we also see the system internally that we've kind of plugged ourselves into that doesn't totally serve us. And in that moment, we get to choose whether or not we're going to keep running on default and running the patterns that we historically have ran until that point, or if we are going to walk the road less traveled and start carving a new path, carving new patterns, healing the whole shebang. So, you know, once we hit that point of awakening, this concept applies. I wouldn't apply it before my awakening, but Since my awakening, I really do see everything that comes up and shows up on my path as something that is in service to me. Even if it's painful, even if it's hard, even if it's heartbreaking, 
I can see the divine intelligence inside of it. I can see, you know, how it is actually in service to the person that I honestly am. And it's helping me like bring up all of this material that is inconsistent with love. It is inconsistent with truth and it needs to be brought up so it can be alchemized. And when it is alchemized, that is when the integration happens. That's when the density, if you think of alchemy, like lead into gold, there is this transformation that is happening from density to light. And when we walk this emotional, intellectual, physical path of alchemy, which is my entire body of work, um, we start to you know, get in right relationship with those parts that are dense and we start to alchemize them so that they're not as heavy. Because when we think about baggage, it's like this heavy, dense weight that we're literally slogging everywhere we go. But when we step onto this path and we use the frame of like, well, this is probably in service to some part of me. And I'm not exactly sure what that is in this moment, but I trust that my path is friendly and it's for me. You know, Michael Beckwith taught me that like well over a decade ago. And it is something that has really imprinted and stuck with me. And I think we need those types of teachers who have those moments of like, you know, he's been through the ringer too. And for him to like come out the other side being like, life is friendly and it's for me. I'm like, well, maybe I could try that on. <laughs> you know, if it, if he was able to like, try that on in his circumstances. Uh, well, maybe, maybe there's some gold in there for me too. And when I start to like really move along this trajectory of like, well, life maybe not, maybe not always be friendly, but it is definitely for me. And then the more I, you know, perform this alchemy within myself when these really hard experiences show up, I can see the friendliness in the overall, like if you really zoom out, I can see how that is, you know, this friendly universe that is like, hey girl, you, you kind of forgot that you are a powerhouse, that you are here to really shake shit up. You are here to do great things. You are here to love so deeply and so big. And we're just going to like, put this little detour on the path so that all the stuff that's in the way of that remembrance can be brought up and cleared and alchemized so that you can see more clearly. You can see more clearly the truth of who you are and the channel that you are can more freely flow that current of love, that current of truth. And you literally become a vessel for the expression of more love and more truth in the world. And it's these moments, like my mom being diagnosed with cancer, and I'm like, I know that this is going to take me under for a bit, but I also know on some level that this is in service to who I'm becoming. This is in service to our family system, and in many ways it has been. And then we kind of get through that <laughs> experience and then my knee happens and I can't walk. And I'm like, well, this is interesting. I'm a 40-year-old learning how to walk again. Huh. There's probably some deep, deep, deep medicine inside of that. And sure enough, <laughs> there absolutely was. And... You know, one of the biggest things that I really got present to when I was completely stopped by this injury was, you know, I had to move at a pace that was really unfamiliar to me, um, slower than I have ever moved before, both physically, um, my pace for walking I've literally never walked that slow in my life. 
um, when I could walk again, like it was very, very, very slow at first, but then it was also being mirrored in my energetic world as well in terms of like moving at a slower pace than I had ever really given myself permission to move at before. Like I'm a manifesting generator. I have a lot of creative energy. Like I move really fast and this gear down was so important (laughs) because this gear down and like moving at the pace of molasses is really what it was like moving that slowly and having to feel through every little piece that I, you know, if I was just going at normal pace, like I would be stepping over and it really allowed me space to process and really integrate everything that had been opened with my mom's cancer diagnosis. And I don't want to make it sound like, oh, I just did all of this like two decades worth of processing in 10 minutes. Because <laughs> that's not what happened. It's an ongoing spiral. It's an ongoing process. Um, but I, I did get a lot of opportunity in those first few months of my injury to move really slowly. And that slow, intentional pace allowed me to meet these very subtle parts of myself that are quiet, that, you know, uh, they just don't get heard when the other louder, faster parts are kind of getting my attention. And so in many ways, it allowed me to create more intimacy with myself, more intimacy with who I am, all the parts that made me, all the experiences that made me, and, you know, what the golden richness is in those experiences. Like, what are they guiding me towards? Like, what are, you know, the, those moments of, oh, this makes sense why this happened. And I can totally see how this circumstance was preparing me for the thing over here, 10 steps down the road. And it, it was giving me and like opening these skills or equipping me with these skills that I would need 10 steps down the road in order to hold this very different thing. And, you know, some of you may know this, some of you may not, but a big part of this work that I do in the world is obviously the relational mastery and the emotional alchemy work. But there's also this part of me that is a musician and a songwriter, and I write music and I sing music, and I've been in a country duo since 2016, and that's not my my first <laughs> stop on the music train. Um, I'm going to do a separate episode on this in uh, for, uh, I think, Christmas Eve that's going to come out. Yeah. And anyway, just like an overview is that, you know, music has been a really big part of my journey. And this year, especially, ironically, I got into this songwriting mentorship program. And it started like two weeks after we found out about my mom's cancer diagnosis. And you know, it's one of those things that when life like really like cranks the heat and there's opportunities for us to collapse, um, sabotage, you know, it really showed me how much capacity I have really genuinely built in my system in the last few years to be able to hold what was happening with reverence with my mom and then also still show up for myself and this really big part of me, you know, because me 10 years ago, I would have completely collapsed with a cancer diagnosis in my family while having to like show up for a program. I would have totally spun out. I would have not shown up. Um, I, I would have kept paying for the program, but not engaging with it in any way, shape, or form. And I could see just how far I'd come and how 
deeply medicinal the work that I teach in the world is. And I don't say that from an egotistical standpoint. I just say it from the truth. Because the work that I teach is the work that I embody. And so the path that I teach has given me the internal resources to be able to show up for myself and show up for my life even when life is fucked up, even when things don't go our way, even when there's a big cosmic wrench that gets thrown into the mix. Um, And that can I still stay anchored when life gets a bit hectic or chaotic or painful? And what I learned this year was that, yes, yes, I can. I can still show up for myself. Um, I'd learned how to show up for this work, you know, stepping into this work like 13 years ago. Um, One of the things that my mentors at the time taught me was like, you really have no business (laughs) doing this work if you can't show up for people when your life is lifing. You know, like if if you can't hold the responsibility of, you know, another person bringing and like putting their life in your hands in, you know, it's not a literal thing, but like energetically that's what's happening a lot of the time when there's a student teacher or a client teacher, client coach dynamic. And if the coach collapses energetically and emotionally when life gets hard for them, they actually can't be of service to their client. And so I really worked on that big time with my mentors, you know, back in 2008, 2009, so that I was prepared to be able to hold for my partners or my partners for my clients when things even were going rocky in my life. Like I could still show up. And I really got to practice that in 2016 in a really big way when my four-year relationship that was really traumatic and there was so much wound mating happening there, a story for another day (laughs) seems to be the point of this podcast. Book note this for future reference. Um, But this relationship that was very, very, very karmic for me and it stirred up so much shit. And the way that it ended was so unrelational and very traumatic. And I still had to show up. And in that container, I made a choice to, you know, show up powerfully for the calls. And then I did something that I'd never done before. And that was I told the truth in the sense of I let them in on what was happening for me. And I also, you know, it was like, this is not your stuff to process. Like, I'm not going to process it onto you. But I'm just letting you know, this is the thing that I'm holding in the background that I'm dealing with in the background. And I'm over here with my coaches and my team um, being supported through that, um, but really allowed myself to reveal my humanity. So I'd been through a really big initiation in that in 2016. And so to see, you know, this next upgrade happen this year was really phenomenal in many ways of seeing like, oh, wow, we have like really grown. Like talk about a quantum leap. Like these last six, seven years have been really big in terms of growth and expanding my somatic capacity, expanding my emotional capacity, really like getting in there and feeling the feelings that, you know, had been locked up for so long and freeing myself in that process. And then to see like this opportunity that historically, you know, if I look back on my life, I would have blown it. That's how I know that I'm actually ready to step into music more fully is <laughs> that I'm not sabotaging it anymore. Um, and again, here's another book note like uh, for another episode, but we're going to talk about sabotage in the new year and what that's really about because 
you know, I can see even the divinity in that, in all of the previous iterations of me who subtly or sometimes overtly sabotaged what was happening musically. And I can see the divine perfection in that because in many ways it was buying me time and it was the exact thing that I needed to do in order to build the skills and build the internal capacity, the emotional maturity, um, and just have things to write about that really matter. And, you know, here now being 40 years old and really stepping into music in this beautiful way that it, it's so intersectional with the work that I do. You know, the music that I'm writing is right on brand with the things that I'm teaching. And it's just another avenue to get the medicine into the collective is through the energetics of music, through the lyrics, through the actual melody. There's so many healing aspects to music that now I can fully go two feet in. And part of being able to go two feet in, you know, went back to 2020 when I was in a breathwork session on the winter solstice and my inner being, my inner knowing was like, you are going to close your signature program. You are not going to run it again. And I'm like, excuse me, what? (laughs) I like created this whole curriculum that I'm really proud of. And now you're telling me I have to take it down to the bones and like take it down to the ground and like unwind it and like put it in the ground. What? But I knew enough to know at that point to just trust Like my spiritual practice was strong enough and my trust in myself was strong enough to to know that there was an intelligence beyond what I could see that was guiding that move. And so I listened and I closed that program. I never ran it again. I finished out the groups that I was running and I retired that program. And in that process of essentially like taking my business apart thread by thread, this new body of work emerged, which in all honesty builds on that original curriculum that I created. And this new body of work has like all of the fundamental pieces to really set someone on the path of relational mastery, to really get into right relationship with the emotions, to be able to exist, you know, really harmoniously or, or as harmoniously as possible in the body and to be able to be with life, no matter what life throws your way and to know and trust yourself to be able to face those storms and to be able to sometimes go into the heart of the storm and like find the treasure that's sitting there and to trust yourself to unwind the layers that, you know, maybe 20 year old you couldn't process, but now 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 year old you can. And, you know, to be on this more non-linear path of healing and really get that in your bones so that you can move with the current of life. You know, this whole body of work is the alchemy of love, which ironically is the original title of my first body of work. And after the first year of running it as the alchemy of love, my partner at the time was like, Hey, you should call it a year of love. And I'm like, you know what? That's a good idea. Like, and so I changed the title, but the original imprint was always there. And then as this new body of work emerged, I'm like, oh, this, this is the alchemy of love. Oh, I get it now. I get it now. I get why I had to take it all apart (laughs) and spend the last two years building and creating. And it all makes sense now. And it's a body of work that I back so fully. It's a body of work that... When my time is to leave this planet, I will be so proud that this is the imprint that I get to leave. And now 
bringing that imprint of this work with music and merging them together, uh, I'm, I'm honestly in awe most days. I'm like, like this, this is my life. And like, this is what every adverse experience, every painful moment, every dark night of the soul that I didn't think that I would make it through, that this is what it was preparing me for. To not only be able to, you know, lead and guide other people through those moments, but to have made it through to the other side myself and knowing that, you know, there's going to be more dark nights of the soul. Like I'm not under this delusion that... I'm done my healing and nothing is ever going to bother me again. Like I am well aware that I am on earth and I am a human. And part of the human game is that this will continue to happen. And I now know that I have the skills and I have the connection and I have the respect and the reverence for myself to be able to explore that terrain really masterfully and to not, you know, get caught in that undertow and to be able to see like, oh yeah, there's a lifeline. Let me grab it. And, you know, to allow life to refine me over and over and over and over. Like I'm not exhausted by the idea that, um, you know, for the duration of my time on this planet and hopefully like that's another 60 years. Cause I'd really like to live to a hundred. Like it's one of my egoic goals, <laughs> you know, like right back to the beginning of like the difference between like an egoic desire and a true desire. Like there's my ego really wants to make it to that finish line and like be a healthy, vibrant, you know, very delighted and like wise hundred year old woman, you know, but I also trust the innate perfection of my story and my timeline here. And if that means I leave a little bit before a hundred or a little bit after, like I, I trust it. And I also know that for whatever time I have left, you know, I'm going to be meeting these pockets of flow and ease and magic and awe and wonder. And I'm also going to be meeting these threads of pain and anguish and hurt and sorrow and grief and fear and anger and frustration, all the things. And what excites me about life is that I am able to dance in the richness of it all. I have approval for all of it. And that's one of the overarching codes of my work is that you will learn through osmosis, through being inter in interactions with me, being in interactions with the curriculum and interactions with the community. You will learn, you, and it's not even learning, like you will remember what true approval feels like. You will remember how to have full approval for your full range of your human. And once you hit that, once you hit that moment, everything changes because there is this deep trust that also activates in that moment that, okay, no matter what happens, going forward. And I know that it's not always going to be rainbows and puppies and unicorns. And I'm willing to meet life with what life brings me. And I know that I am the alchemist. I know that I can alchemize anything that either comes up that is still stuck in my system or anything that life brings me that might make me feel really intense or feel like really emotional, um, I know that I can meet it and I can meet it with grace. I can meet it with reverence. I can meet it with trust and openness. 
instead of having to brace and protect myself through life, I am able to move with the current of life. And, you know, to arrive here and see like, oh my God, of course, of course it would take 40 years for me to really piece together every single part of my life's work, like the body of work that will be my life's work. And who knows, like maybe there's another evolution of this that happens in 20 years. I don't know. <laughs> you know. But for now, like this is the body of work. And then to also see like it, it took 40 years to be prepared to be able to hold what music would require of me. Because I am a very, very, very sensitive person. And music like opens my heart in a way that very few things do. Especially when I'm singing. I went and watched my bandmate um, play at his church Christmas um, concert last week, I think. And a, like every song that they performed were songs that I knew from my time growing up in the Catholic Church. And there was, you know, this sweetness. It was like this bitter sweetness that came through as I was singing these songs and like it, it brought up a lot of memories and a lot of like imprints from my past. And it was emotional. Like there were moments where I was like really like catching my voice because there was a lot of emotion stuck in my voice and music is like this beautiful clearing for me. And because up until now, I hadn't really done that emotional work. Like the last time I really did music in a big way was in like my mid twenties and my mid twenties, I was just coming out of a trauma spiral, like a four year trauma spiral. And, uh, I did not <laughs> have the capacity to be with my emotions or be in approval of them. Like I just kept stuffing them, hoping that they'd go away, pushing them away, hoping that that would do the trick and they would never return. Um, I, I couldn't hold this really sensitive part of me with reverence. I thought it was a disadvantage and, you know, being someone who gets really emotional, even when I perform, and like you probably even heard it on the podcast, like there was a moment in there where I got really emotional and I can't not, you know, let that move in the moment. And so the old younger versions of me who had this identity around being perfect and being perceived a certain way, like could not even handle the idea of going on stage and like voice cracking and tears flowing and like having like these very, very vulnerable moments with people or writing music that really gets into the heart of the matter and, you know, says the thing that is really true and really matters. You know, I, I wasn't emotionally mature and emotionally anchored enough at that phase of my life to hold what music was asking of me. This is not what music asks from everyone. Like this is my particular journey with it. And I needed another two decades, <laughs> like not quite two decades, but almost of, you know, doing this work. I had to like leave music and pivot onto personal development and spirituality path in order to find me and find the pieces of me so that I could hold what music was asking of me and also what, you know, being a channel for this life work was asking of me. Like it, it takes the same thing to hold this body of work as it does to hold this, you know, emotional expression in music. And it just took me 40 years to figure it out. And I'm okay with that. I am absolutely okay with every step in every chapter of my life because it has led me here and I can now see the forest through the trees. 
I can see where we're going with this. And coming back to that original thread of, you know, the ego desire versus the true desire in the slowing down, the forced slowing down of this year, I've been able to really feel that more nuanced thread of like, what is the true thing? What is the true path that I'm being asked to walk? And what is the true desire? And what came through was this desire for music and this desire to be able to merge my two worlds of this body of work and music. And, you know, if, if you know me personally or if you've been in any of my higher level containers, you know how obsessed I am with England. And you know that I have been wanting to go back to England for a while. And I finally, like my passport finally came through after like a, well, I guess it would be like a three year <laughs> debacle with it. And, you know, I had this whole big plan of going to England for my 40th birthday. And then life had another plan. Because of my injury, I was literally grounded here in my home. I couldn't do the trip that I had planned to do. And then I was like, still, like, my ego of, like, pushing it of, like, no, okay, okay, we can't go in July, but, like, your knee will be totally better by October. So let's just move it to October. Um, it wasn't. <laughs> um, by October, I was off of using the cane and off of using uh, a knee brace every day. But it still wasn't stable enough uh, to go do a solo trip, a trip that, you know, required a lot of walking because doing long walks still is like, there's still a lot of nerve pain that happens certain days. And so I'm in that moment when I realized that October wasn't going to happen, I had this like uh, surrender in the rain kind of moment where I just like let the rain wash me clean, wa let my emotions just wash me clean and like giving up this like forcing and this need to push and needing to like make this thing happen when it wasn't true for it to happen. And I have a lot of stories in my life of being in a state of flow and things really moving when I'm in a state of flow. And this injury has really brought me to an even deeper understanding of that, of a deeper understanding of surrender and allowing and being in approval of what happens because what happens in reality is reality. And when we are anchored in reality, that's where we can create. But when we're forcing, we're in a fantasy. We are plugged into a place that isn't rooted in reality. It's feeding a certain part of us, but it's not feeding the true parts of us. And so to see like just how sneaky <laughs> my ego has gotten, you know, like she's like, oh yeah, I've been like listening to all the personal development lingo and all the spiritual lingo and like I got it down. And like I know how to trick her. <laughs> And it took me being slowed down, you know, to almost like a full stop for a few months to really be able to tease this out for myself and to really be able to feel into the true desire. Because, I mean, there is a part of me that really does desire to go to England. But there's also this energetic that was forcing it, which is why I kept getting cock blocked by the universe. Like, let's just call it what it is. <laughs> you know, like that's what was happening. And in the ultimate surrender, you know, things started moving with our music and these little moments, you know, and I'll reveal them in time, but like now is not the time to be sharing uh, 
uh, on a public forum what's going on behind the scenes musically, but I can say that, you know, it is substantial what's happening and where it's guiding me and my music partner is to LA and to Nashville. And if I had been forcing this, you know, idea of like, I need to be in London, I need to be in London, I need to be in England, like I have to go, I have to go, I have to go, you know, I would have missed all of this stuff that's happening now because I was trying to force my agenda, force my egoic agenda versus opening to the true divine agenda, my true desire, which is to ultimately serve this energy. I'm here to serve the energy of love. I'm here to serve the energy of truth, the energy of grace, the energy of magic, and the energy of union. That is what I was put on the planet to do. <laughs> and in order to really be in service to those energies, uh, I have to really follow the thread of what is the true thing. Not what my mind wants, not what my ego wants, not what you know other people want for me, but like what is the actual true thing? And the true thing, you know, has led to this really beautiful, tender embrace of the desire for marriage, which, again, if you've known me for a long time, you're going to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, and we can, we can unpack this in future episodes or containers, um, but like really getting right with myself about, oh, yeah. Like that is the true desire that was living underneath the undigested pain. The pain that it took me 20 years to touch and process and open. That desire was living underneath. And until I slowed down and began processing and feeling my way through all of that material, I was never going to get to that truer desire. Is never going to get to that desire. I mean, I kind of touched it with my desire for family, but like the way that it dropped in when this marriage piece revealed itself, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, of course that's actually the true thing that I want. And I can see how, you know, even the uprooting of my business and the changing of everything is in service to that. You know, because everything that I'm teaching not only lays a beautiful foundation for marriage and family and healthy relationships of all kinds, but it also gives me the spaciousness to be able to create music that runs in tandem with the things that I teach and to have space and time to devote into a partnership, into a marriage, into a family system. And also have space and time to travel and go <laughs> where, you know, the next true place is to go. And all that to say, you know, there has been such a beautiful opening and like the revelation of the whole map or at least more of the map, I wouldn't even say it's the whole map, like more of the map of my life was re revealed to me this year. And it happened through circumstances that if people were looking in on the outside, they'd be like, wow, that's so fucked. Wow, like that is so intense. Like I, I could never, and let's be fair, like I couldn't have held it the way that I held it this year before this year, if that makes sense. You know, it took... 39 years of preparing to be able to hold the magnitude of this year. And then the next 39 years of my life will be preparing me to hold what comes next. You know, like everything, you know, is always preparing us for what comes next if we allow the alchemical process to wash us clean, to open us to tenderize us, <laughs> to have us come back into right relationship with our whole human. Like your whole human is a deeply feeling, richly feeling, 
an emotional being. You know, that is a big difference between humans and, you know, other mammals and other beings is this capacity to feel. And we are stepping into a phase of time where this is going to be more normalized. And like, it seems like really chaotic right now because there's a lot of stuff that's coming up for reckoning, (laughs) you know, all the pieces that are really out of alignment with truth and love are coming up with a vengeance. Like, so it can seem like a lot and I totally get that. And, you know, this is a phase, this is a phase of the resetting process where we are invited, individually invited and collectively invited to each go through our initiations, go through those tunnels that are refining who you know yourself to be and helping you create more capacity to hold more approval for the fullness of who you are. And on the other side of that is a world that is so compassionate, connected, uh, relational, and in deep, reverent creation. They, we can't keep, you know, trying to beat down this system that is, like, it's just, we can't use these methods of destruction without also activating creation. You know, and creation requires you to be in right relationship with reality, right relationship with your emotions, because if you are not in right relationship with your emotions, what you create, well, it'll just be wonky. Like, it might not go exactly how you would like it to, because it's not clean. It's not spiritually clean. It's not emotionally clean. It's not intellectually clean. Uh, It's got a lot of tendrils connected. And that's kind of what we're seeing right now is that there's this attempt to like create, but the full uh, initiation isn't complete. And so there's still like this old stuff that's getting pulled in to the creation Versus like when we walk through the fires of initiation, it burns a lot of that stuff away. And that is literally what my program, my upper level program of initiated is designed to do. And if we also haven't gone through the emotional initiation of getting in right relationship with our emotions and allowing them to wash us clean, you know, that's, that's the first step. Well, technically the first step is getting in your body. So that's, you know, a starting gate for my work is you can come in and do the embodiment series, get really comfortable getting back into your body, which is an adjustment for a lot of people who live in their head. And so that is the, the first starting gate. If you are familiar with my embodiment method or you have done some embodiment work, whether that is like nonlinear movement, yoga, dance, um, martial arts, like anything that literally gets you in your body um, and allows you to build consciousness while you are in your body. So build awareness while you stay anchored in your body. If you have any of that um, in your back pocket, you know, the next starting gate for my work is reverence. And reverence is, you know, the, the opening initial container, the introductory container. Everyone needs to start there. Even my upper level students, they also do reverence at the same time. And reverence is the minimum nine month container to get in right relationship with your emotions. You can stay longer. You can stay as long as you need. Um, but it's minimum nine months. And in that container, we, we go through, you know, (laughs) unwinding all of that stuff that has us be in a distorted relationship to our emotions. So getting you back into right relationship with seeing your emotions as your ally, learning how to identify your emotions 
really, really powerfully, really succinctly, um, the ability to feel your emotions and how to perform emotional alchemy so that when we step into relationships, we don't take this distorted field of view, but instead we have opened and revealed the true field of view, which is a very reverent one. Because if we do not hold reverence for ourselves and for our relationships, what we create from a place of disdain, obviously is not going to be the outcome that we maybe hope and dream for, right? So we really lay that foundation of reverence. And, you know, if you're like, okay, I think I could probably like zip through that and like go, I want to go into the higher level, which is initiated. And that is where we do the initiations <laughs> that prepare you for relational mastery. So it's a two-year program. You know, it's, it's a devotion where the first 13 months or roughly the first 13 months, uh, you are going through and those initiations are designed to burn off anything that is untrue, anything that is inconsistent with love and truth and the truest desire in your heart. And then the second portion of initiated is really getting into the practice and the embodiment is really getting into the practice and the embodiment of this work of those foundational aspects of relational mastery. And we do a lot more work on desire and embodied boundaries and, you know, really getting into these like nice small mastermind type calls where we really work these muscles so that when you are complete in that particular path, you can trust yourself to go into any relationship and show up powerfully and create really, really cleanly there. Because you have done the work of clearing out the pipes. So like you have the emotional component, the emotional alchemy component with reverence, and then you have the relational foundation component with initiated. And, you know, these are... <laughs> three main pillars and there will be uh, an upper level program from initiated where we go into sex and leadership. So embodied leadership and sex because those two actually go hand in hand more than we think. So, you know, there's this whole beautiful body of work that has channeled through that is available for you. And I really... Like, I really want this to be accessible and, you know, at a price range that is available to, to everybody, or at least, you know, the majority of people who really desire to do this work. And so I've kept it at a price point that is as reasonable as possible in order for me to like run a business and pay my team <laughs> and, you know, to have, you know, my woman taken care of so that she can show up for you. And also keep it in a range where it's not extractive. Because that's a big thing that I see in this industry as well that I just can't get on board with is the extractive pricing. <laughs> and like I get, you know, having like the upper level program, like it is a more significant investment, of course, because of what it requires from you. But it's still not like so far out of range that you wouldn't be able to do it if you were really devoted. And I'm also always willing to work out an extended payment plan. If you feel like you really need to be there and you're like, even this is outside of my range, like you are always welcome to make a request, you know, and request the longer term payment plan. And if you are com like really committed and devoted to doing the work, of course, of course we'll figure something out. And, you know, I want you to be in there if you want to be in there. <laughs> so we'll figure it out. And, you know, this is, 
you know, the different, the new model that's starting to emerge with business and more embodied leadership. You know, like we have to make sure that, you know, the person facilitating and, you know, the company and the people who work inside of that company are taken care of, of course. And can we do it in a range where it's really in service? Like anyone who's worked with me knows like how much richness goes into a nine-week program or even a self-study program or these longer-term containers. Like I do not hold back. (laughs) You know, like I really provide a lot of richness in those spaces because like I want you to have the thing. I want you to have that thing that deeper desire in your heart. I want you to be freed up in your life. I want you to be able to create what is in you to create and love the way that you are designed to love and to live your life two feet on the ground, eyes wide open, heart wide open, but discerning as fuck so that you know who and what is a congruent match to come in to your sacred home, your sacred container that is your heart. And that's that's what we're getting up to in 2023. So <laughs> if that is something that excites you, like it excites me, please, I want to hear from you. Send me a message, send me an email, ping me on Instagram and let me know so that I can make sure that you get the details when I open reverence so that you can come in and play. I'm also, this is exciting. I am also opening a new free community space. So when I say like there is literally something for everyone, I mean it. And in the community space, what we're going to be doing, I think I'm going to call it the love club. That feels fun. I like the energetics of that. Uh, And what we're going to be doing in the love club is that we are going to be doing TV and movie studies, right? So think of it like a book club, but for people who love TV and movies. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I love books. But like I've never been someone who just wants to do a book club. Like I don't know what it is. Like I have such a hard time with it. Probably because I'm a manifesting generator and I read 10 books at a time and I like read a little bit and then I leave it for six months and then I come back to it. Like I'm very fluid in my relationship to reading. (laughs) That's probably why I have so much resistance. Um, Because it's not the true thing for me (laughs) to run book clubs. But, you know, I really, I love TV. I love movies. Like, and I'm not going to pretend that I don't. Like, I love a good Netflix series or, you know, uh, a really good movie. Like that's my jam. And I've always done this and it never occurred to me until this year. I'm like, I've always been the person who watches a movie and looks for the deeper meaning and watching something and like seeing these connections that are happening that, you know, the hidden messages or, you know, the deeper dynamics that are at play that are being illustrated. And it's always been an easy thing for me to really spot that. And some of my favorite relationships I've had, there's one in particular, this guy that I dated in university. And we would watch movies and then we would have like these big discussions about them. And then that carried over into my relationship after him. And we would do the same thing. And it is something that, you know, is an important aspect for me in my relationships to be able to really talk about these high level ideas and to be able to really decode what's happening there. So we're going to bring that into the love club. We're going to do TV and movie studies throughout the year where we watch a show together. Like we all have an episode that we need to watch or, you know, the call that week. And then I'm going to teach. I'm going to teach a piece of relational mastery. And then we are going to look for that thread in the episode. We are going to talk about what's happening between the characters relationally, what's happening between them emotionally, what's happening between them on a deep spiritual level. So that you can start to spot 
these patterns in operation. Because that's often like a really important piece to be able to see it externally and get comfortable with it before we're really ready to kind of turn that and go inward with ourselves and be able to spot those patterns. We do some pattern work, emotional pattern work in reverence, and then we do the relational pattern work in initiated. So like it, it's all kind of prepping you <laughs> if you want to step into that body of work. The Love Club is a nice, wonderful place to get acquainted with my energy, with how I teach, and also like learn. Like I want you to be able to like have access to this if you really feel called. And then there are options when you're in the Love Club to come into these containers. There will also be options for one-to-one work. I'm going to be opening probably two spots for one-to-one work in January. So if you have wanted to work one-on-one with me, send me an email. Because <laughs> once those two spots are gone, I'm not opening more. Um, and if you want to work with me on that level, that is a much higher investment, I will say. like It is much higher than any of the path work any of the courses or the classes or the workshops that I run. Like, I I don't want to dupe you here. Like it is a five figure investment to work with me one-to-one. And it also includes the path work. So when you work with me one-to-one, you are also included in that path work. And you get to work with me one-on-one. So (laughs) we can go deeper and richer and, you know, It's for a specific type of person who really wants to accelerate their path while also honoring the the deeper path of the work. So if that's you, feel free to ping me. There are always payment plans for the one-to-one work as well. And I am just really excited. If you couldn't tell, (laughs) I'm very excited for everything to come in the new year, what we're going to be creating together now that all of these pieces have fallen into place. And for all of the music that is another pathway for us to really get this medicine in our bones. It's all very special. And um, with that, I think I'm going to leave you there. I've been chatting for a long time here. And I hope that you have a beautiful rest of your day and a wonderful start to your holiday season. And I think there will be, there will definitely be a podcast episode that comes out on the 24th and then maybe like one other one that uh, you'll, you'll have before the new year. Okay. Okay. I love you all. Thank you for being here. Take care of you. In the words of my friend, Terry, (laughs) Terry Cole, she says that a lot and it just like, mm. It feels like a warm hug and it feels like a really important thing to say around the holidays is, you know, take care of you. And uh, I will be seeing you very, very, very soon. I'll also put all the links in the show notes as per usual. So if you'd like to join the wait list for reverence, if you'd like to apply for initiated, um, if you'd like to come into the workshop that I'm doing in January on embodied dating, which I didn't talk about here, but we'll talk about it more soon. Um, yeah, you can check out those links. I love you. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.